You are now listening to the Random Black Person in Canada podcast. On this episode, we are talking about getting offended. Let's go. had National Day for Truth and Reconciliation in Canada. And here we go this week where it is the official Thanksgiving weekend in Canada. Now, as you can imagine, considering we just went from orange representing the indigenous people, Thanksgiving in itself, for the same reason we had to do a reconciliation, actually also represents, quite frankly, the very thing, you know, genocide and what have you, that, you know, Reconciliation Day (laughs) was created for. And as you can imagine, because of that, some people are not celebrating Thanksgiving in the traditional sense. As to, you know, what Thanksgiving stood for and was created for, you know, the harvest, the taking over people's lands and obviously all the wars that were fought on this very land, obviously North America, you know, the US, Canada, and obviously celebrating that the land was good to people who took it over. And so you can imagine there is some level of fending that is going around. Like literally, as I scroll on social media, I remember that I, I'm, I'm seeing a couple of places and I remember obviously people who were, you know, spinning off how they no longer celebrate Thanksgiving and obviously wearing orange is part of what have you, what have you, what have you. And as you can imagine, some people are offended because if all of y'all were celebrating, you know, reconciliation and truth a week ago, about a week ago, a week ago, anyways, <laughs> um, a week ago, and now this week, similarly, just like, yeah, forget everything we just learned. Like, we, we learned nothing, so up to Thanksgiving now. Should you be offended if people are doing that? Some people are offended that some people are celebrating Thanksgiving after doing that. Some people are offended that people are doing Thanksgiving and ask, disturbing other people's Thanksgiving by saying, why are you doing National Day of Truth and Reconciliation? So either way you look at it, whether you say nothing and do nothing and literally enjoy your Thanksgiving, you're offending somebody. If you say, you know, it's kind of offensive to actually celebrate Thanksgiving, you're offending somebody. <laughs> Man, and it got me thinking that as a society in Canada and particularly North America, the Western world, we are quickly devolving into an atmosphere of offending each other anyhow and anyway. Like literally the smallest thing, you're offended. I start this off with obviously Justin Trudeau. And you know, it's funny. I I really like Justin Trudeau. I really do. I really, really do. Yet he does some things that baffle me. Well, he does this thing where he's trying to be an ally and then in the same breath, he does something else. So as you can imagine, National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, he went on vacation realized he wasn't in good taste because obviously you're supposed to, you know, think and reflect on Canada's position in everything the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation stands for. And then he came back and said he was sorry. And the, the key thing about Justin Trudeau, because I like him, I am willing to, you know, let things slide in general. And I know this is my own bias. I really know, and I'm aware of it. 
However, on the objective front of it, this guy does things where it doesn't look like he has regard for the outcome or the consequence. Because all he has to do anyway is apologize and it will be fine. So I'm starting to realize that he, he, he doesn't really care. He really doesn't. Like, again, I, I don't know that he does or he doesn't, but from where I'm looking at it, he, does, it, he, he doesn't care. He doesn't. Just, he's just going to do whatever he wants to do. He's going to apologize and people will move on. So that's number one. So am I offended by Justin Trudeau? Not particularly, but there are people who have valid reasons to be offended by that. As you can imagine, we look at how the news evolves in today's world where there are now complete and clear polar opposites of spectrums. If you look at, for example, CNN and the same way Fox will cover information, you can see quickly how the same issue is polarizing. So if you are someone who leans left and listens to Fox, you are offended immediately, right? If you are someone who leans right and listens to CNN, you are offended immediately as well. If we bring that to Canadian context, if you listen to any of the mainstream media and you are right-leaning, you're offended. If you listen to CP24, um, some other rebel news, and you are left-leaning, you will be offended because the way they cover it is very, you know, strange. Let me just put strange because obviously I think you guys know where I, live, where I stand on the spectrum. And so you can imagine that we are creating a world where it is easy to be offended by any and everything. It almost seems as though we are quickly devolving into a space where understanding context, understanding background, and understanding point of view is no longer necessary. It even seems as though it is work to help somebody see your context, to see your worldview, and to understand your perspective. And I worry about that a lot because as I try to build out some of my work, and as some of you know as well outside the podcast, what I do, it's, in, it's interesting to me to see how that is also affecting my work in thinking about how we can cover even things like sports. I worry a lot because sometimes I get feedback from people and even the way they communicate what their issue is, it is as though the easiest thing to do is to first show that they are offended by someone's coverage of sport. And for the life of me as a sports fan, I've always thought that sports is that unifying thing and it really should be. But yet everybody wants to be offended by whatever left, right and center. A key one, for example, was as a group, my company is trying to do this thing where they're being more democratic in the coverage of sports. And what I mean by democratic is being more representative. And so even things like bringing women on is offending people in coverage of things like hockey, in coverage of things like basketball, in coverage of things like American football. That is offending people. Women covering sport is offending people. Because, well, what do they know? If they've not played the game at a high level, why should they cover sports? And, you know, interestingly enough, in my final year of university, I took this class, which I'll never forget because it was one of the most impactful in my life. And I'm very thankful I took that course. 
it was called the course was called I believe um, language discord and the power of language or something like that I'm pretty sure maybe it was in the book I'm remembering from the class that's called the power of language and that course opened my eyes to so much to how we use certain language how we use certain words to depict things that we are not okay with either in you know overt racism covert racism um, expressing displeasure, um, expressing displeasure, and anything else in between. And so, even I, I generally try to be careful in language I choose. Generally, unless you know, you know, let's <laughs> go scotch earth. But I generally try to be careful because even when I think of things and I see how people say things, I'm just like, why of all the words in your vocabulary, why is it that one you're hanging on to? So I've talked about obviously the women's side of sport where, you know, people don't want women to come into sports. People don't want women covering male sports. Uh, females are also now, you know, advocating for female sports as well to be covered. And that's obviously one of the big mandates that I have and I think about a lot. On the flip side of that equation, as a society as well, we are now also, especially in Canada, and if you talk to random people, you'll see this, where there's now also men bashing, similarly on the flip side where it is almost like a pastime to talk about how bad men are. You know, again, and I fully understand that, you know, the patriarchy sets up the world in a way where it favors men, especially white men, fully understand that. Fully understand that, you know, the world has not been the most equal. Fully understand that as well. However, with a lot of freedom now, everyone is willing to speak up and obviously talk about injustices in the world, and that is fine. However, there's not also the flip side to men bashing. And as a result, you have this scenario where men, in any conversation where people are talking about men or whatever, you hear things like, not all men. Because, you know, naturally, they are offended as well. You know, guys are offended by the way people are talking about what men do. You know, men are scum. <laughs> etc, etc, etc. And so naturally, guys are going to be like, you know, not all men, not all men, not all men, because if you are seeing men in general, you're assuming I'm also one of them, and that in itself. So for myself, because, you know, I know I do have male privilege, I generally try to, you know, listen to understand the context and where it's coming from before I pass any judgment or if I say anything. And sometimes I keep it to myself. It doesn't really matter because it's irrelevant. Now, I've been thinking about how, what is causing a lot of this? And even how is this becoming more rampant? One of the key ones, obviously, is social media. I think when Steve Jobs created the iPhone, way back when, I cannot imagine he would have understood the ramification of how important it would be to the evolution of people and the discourse in the world. Obviously, because of the iPhone, and the other improvements that came to other phones. We have this thing, social media, that got layered on top of the infrastructure of the iPhone that then allowed people to be so much more stuck to their phones. Because, well, for the first time, we had this piece of glass that was so, like, amazing and encapsulating that people didn't want to drop it. And then we added this fascinating layer of social media. Now, social media does this thing as well where you can filter out what you do not want to engage. If you think about the time before the iPhones, before, you know, socials and what have you, people had to hear all kinds of perspectives. If you did not agree with it, you still got to hear it. 
Why? Well, because media at the time. And yeah, I already talked about how media hasn't changed it in itself. But that one, in my mind, I think changed in part as a response to social media and phones. If you think about the way social media is polarizing people, if I never want to hear a gain from a conservative in my life, other than media and television, cable, I never have to again till the day I die. Never have to. Like literally, because of my phone and social media, I can actively pick what I want to follow, what I want to engage online, everything I want to see, the kind of people I want to interact with, the parameters of people I want to interact with, I can specify all those things through social media and never hear another perspective again in my life. I very well can. Either through personalization, either through things I like a lot, and obviously social media is now going to reinforce that. So as a result, I'm being polarized much further than any other time in the world as a result of you know phones and technology. The other side to that now is I no longer need to have any empathy because of social media to anybody else whose perspective isn't mine. I can straight up say they are stupid online. Whether it is true or not is irrelevant. My perspective is law and that is that. Again, because all I have to do is if I don't want to hear from you again, unfollow, block, mute, the end. Now again, I fully understand that there's a, there's a space and need for those things as functions, right? Where if someone is you know being terrible online, let's just put it that, you know, saying pretty demeaning things, then you can just block them and never hear from them again. And that is valid, obviously, if they're bullying you online, it's easy, it's easy. But similarly, because there's no parameter to determine who gets blocked or not, I can just decide you are, you know, right-wing nut and you are forever blocked in my life and never hear from you again. So now I no longer have any empathy anymore for any perspective that's different from mine. I am constantly being reinforced by information that is mine because, you know, I'm only going to hang with people who do the same thing, who think the same way, and I'm being reinforced, reinforced, reinforced by the same type of messaging. And so imagine if I believe that I am right by leaning left and being liberal and being whatever, then similarly, someone who's been Republican, conservative on the right side is similarly going to do the same as someone who's left-leaning, reinforcing their own right-wing messaging, never hearing from anybody who's left-wing and never understanding anybody who's left-leaning and being constantly polarized. And so Similarly, people who are left are moving further left by just staying with their own folk. People who are right are moving further right by staying with their own folk. And we're getting this place where with every new election, with every new decision, with any new development as a people, people are now further from each other and not even listening because, well, I'm just going to go back to my tribe who's going to say the same things I'm saying. And we're all going to agree that we are all correct in our different parts of the world. That's one side. So obviously social media, I've talked about that now. The other side to this now is movies and shows. If you watch TV and you get to see how people are depicted, either as the villain in the story or the hero in the story, literally just by shifting the perspective or deciding what you want to be shown by the director, you can literally be offended in no time. Absolutely no time at all. I was watching this show recently. I believe it's called The Maid. And I only watched like five minutes of it or something like that. And, I, and I've heard it's a good show. I've heard it's a good show. But in like 10 minutes, I was very concerned by some of what it was depicting. And I'll juxtapose it with another show who has a similar type of character. 
and you'll understand what I'm saying in a quick, quick second. At the beginning of the mate, the lady runs away from her home in what is expected to be an abusive space. All right, and then that's what they're trying to depict. He's abusive. And she runs away, runs to a friend's house, uh, tries to run to her mother's house, um, and obviously doesn't find a space, ETC. Um, and at some point, she gives up, sleeps in the car, has to then find a job the next day. And obviously she's being bombarded in, on her phone by you know her partner that she ran away from, doesn't listen, and you know she has to you know, start fending for herself. She goes to a shelter to find a place to live. Um, obviously they're, like, they're saying, well, you need a job for us to be able to take care of you and give you any grants. And then, um, what's the word? After that, she, well, how did, how did that go again? So after that, she went back, she couldn't, she was trying to get a job. Her partner had to pick up the child from her mother who was schizophrenic, it looked like. And it was just an entirely messy situation. Again, in just the first 10, 15 minutes. Now, in my own mind, I was like, it seems like she's kidnapping her child because she just carried the child and left. That was, that was one of the first things that struck to me. Now, for some people who watch the show, you would see it as she's trying to be a great parent who is trying to escape a domestic, you know, violent partner. But even as I was watching it, I, my concern was they hadn't, it seemed like the bar to domestic abuse in the show seemed a little low. Because they had only depicted ones that was he was drinking, he threw a glass bowl, shattered, and obviously some of it went on her, some of it went on her child. And so I fully understand, you know, this guy is clearly emotionally troubled. However, I really thought she was also going to put a child, like literally as I was watching, I'm like, I really worry about this woman because it seems like she does things impulsively. And without fail, without fail, not even like 10 minutes later, she parks on the road because her child is screaming, in the middle of the highway, looking for a doll, which her baby was crying about, and literally her child, she left in the middle of the highway. And that to me was troubling because I was like, I'm very concerned. But anyways, that was one side. Consider and mix that up with, for example, um, pursuit of happiness. Similarly, he leaves his partner, not because she's abusive, he just carries the child and goes, but for whatever reason, he at least has a conversation with his partner before just dipping. And we celebrate that movie in showing that, you know, a good sign of fatherhood, which is great. Now, if a guy had done specifically what happened in The Maid, where he literally just picked up a child and left because he felt, you know, his partner was drinking and she was, she couldn't control herself. I do not think we'll give a guy the same amount of empathy. I really don't. Now, again, if you bring that scenario to This Is Us, where Jack Pearson also similarly, in this case of This Is Us, he has... An abusive father, we get to see that background. He has a drinking problem, we get to see the background of why, where he's, you know, he's gone to war, um, he's seen a lot of things, his brother, you know, went off and did his own thing. Um, his father died, he didn't want to have anything to do with him. He's dealing with a child that has, um, you know, that's black and he has white children, doesn't, can't really relate. His partner doesn't want, you know, so all those other things explain his drinking and in some random moments, he actually gets out of control. And now the maid does the same thing, but only shows one instance, no context to why he's that way, no context to what has happened before the relationship. And immediately we're supposed to believe he's been violent and she needs to get away. And that to me was like, so 
help me understand, should I get offended for her that he has done this? And obviously by the terms of the movie, you are supposed to get offended, right? And will on the actor to be like, you know, you deserve better. That's kind of the point. And so even with some of the characters I've already talked about here, This Is Us, for example, talked about, um, you know, um, Pursuit of Happiness. If you look at Squid Game, where the dad isn't that great, where like literally he's going to America, turns around to go back and dismantle the sweet game. Like you can see how the same types of people are depicted in different ways and you are expected to get offended for different reasons, even though generally they are the same. Generally. Like literally, Squid Game, he's, he's killing people. Was supposed to not be offended that he's killing people. He had to do it. But really it was for money. But we're only getting offended at the villains. You look at this is us. You do not get offended by anybody. Jack Pearson is, a, is, is an alcoholic. He's struggling, whatever. So you, you don't get mad at him because literally he pulls himself together and becomes an amazing dad. However, in the maid, in the first couple of minutes, you still get offended because this guy is an alcoholic. He is throwing things around. He's punching holes in the wall. Sure. But re- again, I want to explain that this is only one scenario. And by default, you just need to bring a certain animus to, uh, to accept that this is the reason why the actor is moving. Now, again, I do not want to say that you condone any form of violence or anything at all like that. That's not what I'm saying. My point here is you can see how perspective quickly changes why you are offended quickly. And so my worry now is every little thing now becomes offensive. Every little thing, whether you're watching a movie, whether someone doesn't agree with your political views, whether you're on social media and someone says something you don't agree with, and people are being reduced, obviously, to the screen. So you don't even understand how to deal with people in general. Now, I want to end with this one, vaccination. You see, as we are coming out of a pandemic, and obviously we're trying to figure out the post-pandemic world, you see how being vaccinated versus not being vaccinated is going to become polarizing as well. And so it's already happening, where jobs are now making it a mandate for you to work, you need a vaccine. And if you believe that, you know, you, you should have a right to choose what gets put into your body, then, you know, it is, what's the word? It is a violation of your rights if you refuse. Like, you know, why, why should I? But now that you're linking it to jobs, isn't it a step too far? It can be. But my issue now is people are now, bringing that to match with racism, segregation, and other major atrocities in the world. <laughs> and you see, this is the part where people need things to be polarizing for you to act. And I find that that is part of what I'm saying, where we are now slowly devolving into issues no longer just being a matter of discourse. It is straight up, are you offended or are you not? And so now people who choose to be vaccinated versus those who don't will say things like, well, if you're not taking the vaccine, then die. And again, I fully understand that somebody choosing to not be vaccinated, I, I personally can't understand it because I think, again, my own reasons, and maybe I'll discuss that separately because obviously I, I don't want that to run too long. But you can see how, why should someone choosing not to be vaccinated like equal death? Like, that's a little unfair. And people do say this thing. Like, I remember there was one joke that was running on, on Instagram, which at the time, again, at first glance was funny, where he was like, okay, you know, if you don't want to take the vaccine, all right, then die then. Like, what do you want me to do, beg you? Like, and I was like, 
at first it was hilarious. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. That actually import taste. But again, I understood he was a comedian and that is literally, he's going for shock value. But you see, some people don't know where to separate art from jokes and where jokes become real life and then truth becomes someone's actually being offended and people waving banners and running protests that, you know, were comparing abortion and pro-life to vaccine versus no vaccine. And you see what I said about the beginning, where literally we're not just being polarized so much further, where literally vaccine was an issue of science and now it's being linked to issues of abortions. I'm very concerned. Like, it's not funny. Like, it's really not. Because I'm just like, I... <sighs> what is time to be alive? I'll catch you in the next one.